afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Developabilities Podcast. My name is Eric Stoker, and I'm the Information Specialist for the Utah Development Displays Council. And we got a great show for you today. Our topic for today is on the Display Policy Seminar that happened in March of 2022. And joining me in the studio to talk about this topic is my co-host for today, Aura Brinkham, who is a Utah Regional Leadership Education and Neurodevelopmental Displays trainee, Libio Segura, the Executive Director of the Utah Development Displays Council, and Olivia Burridge, who is the Program Support Specialist for the Utah Developmental Displays Council. And with that, let us jump right into our episode for today. So with that, we are going to go ahead and get started. And I just wanted to say thank you to Libby, Olivia, and Aurora for taking the time out of their busy schedules to be on this amazing podcast episode for today on our Display Policy Seminar. So the first question I have for you guys is, what was the Disability Policy Seminar like? Aurora, if you don't mind, I'm going to pass the baton to either you or Olivia because this was your first time attending the event. And uh, it'd be cool to hear your feedback, and then I can contribute what what I thought. Yeah, I can um, share about my experience. So I'm Aurora. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, so yes, this is my first time going to the Disability Policy Seminar. It was also my first time in DC. So really cool, exciting trip overall. And I thought it was just absolutely an incredible experience. Got to meet so many incredible people doing amazing work and um, felt very impactful overall of learning a lot about what um, issues are prominent right now in like the disability rights field and it, among like the disability community got to build some skills and knowledge about like public policy and advocacy, talk with some congressmen from Utah. So overall, just really cool experience. Yeah, and I can echo Aurora's experience. It was my first time at the seminar and also my first time in DC. And my first conference uh, where the focus was the disability community, which was fun for me um, because I knew kind of surface level what was going on with all of the bills and uh, the different conversations that were happening. And the seminar gave me an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper, um, get more of the statistics on the information that was being provided, as well as put some names um, names and faces to the legislation that was in the works and um, just bring all of that to my attention so I can continue to keep up with it and bring it back home with me to Utah and hopefully enact some of those things in my daily work here at the council. I would say um, it's always fun to attend the policy seminar because everyone's excited to be in DC where, you know, uh, federal policy is is made and um, the energy is really good. And it's nice to network from people across the country that have similar um, passion and, and vision for the world they want to see. So it's a, it's a good experience as far as learning about different policy issues and a really good networking opportunity. One thing they did this year that was pretty new to the seminar was a, a rally at the Capitol. And that was a pretty cool event. We had some, some good strong speakers speaking to different disability policy issues. And then, um, you know, uh, cool signs that, that said disability rights are human rights. And it just brought another level of excitement and energy around uh, the talking points that we were going to share with our congressmen. And uh, it was it was a cool experience. I'm glad you guys had a great experience. This is amazing to hear more about your guys' journey to Washington, D.C. in March. 
So the next question I have is, what disability issues are happening on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C.? I can answer again. I feel bad because I don't want to talk first every time. Um, so there are so many things happening. Um, so we kind of decided to focus in on one area, um, which was on criminal justice and talked a bit, talked and focused a bit more on um, police responses to individuals with disabilities, people experiencing mental health crises. So that was an issue we focused on, but there was also a lot of conversation around housing, around um, government support, around special education services, emergency response. So like in the event of a earthquake or hurricane, being sure that individuals with disabilities get support and are able to be evacuated as well if they need um, extra assistance. And those are kind of the top ones on my head. I'm sure there were other things that were happening as well, if anyone else wants to add. Um, I'll just contribute around um, the community living piece, um, which focuses on long-term supports and services, and, and those include um, state and federal Medicaid programs, and then, you know, home and community-based services, um, which rely on long-term supports and services so people can remain in their uh, homes and communities rather than institutional settings. And um, unfortunately, this is a, a recurring issue year after year after year. Um, and it's a slow uphill battle, but people are continuing to, to fight the fight and have conversations around this um, and overcoming the institutional bias that exists within our federal Medicaid program. Do you have anything else to add, Olivia, for that question? Not on this one, no. I think Aurora covered the overarching things pretty well. And then we do have more specific information to share later. Awesome. Sounds good. So the next question I have is, are there bills that self-advocates and their families should be aware of? So yes, there are. Um, again, going back to what Aurora was saying, we decided to keep our focus on uh, criminal justice and law enforcement. Uh, that was something that people in our Utah community was interested in, and as well as this uh, larger community just throughout the nation. So the two bills that we have chosen to highlight today um, are both coming out of uh, Bob Casey's office. He is the senator of Pennsylvania. Um, and those two are, well, I guess it starts with the LEAD initiative. Um, and the acronym for that is um, Law Enforcement Education and Accountability for People with Disabilities. Uh, and again, that's LEAD, L-E-A-D initiative. Uh, and then within that, um, we're also covering the HELP Act, H-E-L-P, and that is Human Services Emergency Logistics Program. Um, and I might refer to Aurora and Libby to give a little bit more detail on either of those things. Yeah, so these are um, two bills that I am particularly passionate about because I am training to become a psychologist and I work mostly with individuals with disabilities um, and really passionate overall about um, mental health first responders to different types of crises or in response to people experiencing homelessness. So these bills help to increase information about the demographic variables of people that police are responding to. So understanding if they have a disability, um, if 
they um, are part of a marginalized racial or ethnic group, as well as other information to better understand if there is some bias that is occurring in the way that um, police officers respond to different emergency calls. And uh, these bills kind of have the hope and purpose of redirecting some funding and um, focus onto having mental health providers respond to different kinds of situations where a emergency call might be made. So if a person is experiencing a mental health crisis, if they might need someone who um, better understands disability to respond to the situation, then that person with appropriate training, like a mental health provider, other human service professional, would be able to respond to that situation and ensure that it's handled appropriately. Um, and that um, the situation isn't misinterpreted um, and ensure that everyone remains safe. And there is that focus on providing additional training to police officers and other law enforcement as well to be sure that they are responding in the most appropriate way and already receive a ton of training and have a lot to focus on. So wanting to just be sure that the people with appropriate training are responding to these different types of situations. Olivia, did you, I, I know you already led the conversation, but did you have anything else to contribute to those um, pieces of legislation? Um, yeah, absolutely. I would say the biggest thing to look out for, um, specifically for uh, self-advocates or people who are looking for resources, uh, a major thing that this bill does, as well as provide education and further training to our law enforcement, is to redirect um, some of the calls that people are currently uh, going into 911, which is for emergency, uh, criminal, and medical. Um, any call that wouldn't necessarily fall within that category under these two bills would be deferred to the United Way. Uh, 211 emergency or information line where people can call in and get resources for uh, finding food, uh, mental health resources, um, things like that. And along with what Aurora was saying, this oversight, um, specifically the, the HELP Act that uh, Senator Casey is uh, trying to push through would create an oversight board that would be a part of that 211 line uh, that would include uh, specifically people with disabilities and um, folks from different ethnic categories and um, provide a yearly oversight to ensure that these communities are getting the best resources possible and that the line is working as it should. And those calls are being deferred in a helpful way um, from 911 to 211 and also the uh, mental health line 988. Sounds like there's a lot of things happening for self-advocates and their families. That's pretty amazing. Libby, do you have anything else to add about that? Um, yeah, if you don't mind, I want to change gears just a little bit and go back to that uh, community living piece that we talked about earlier. There are a few things. The, the Better Care, Better Jobs Act uh, would invest billions of dollars into home and community-based services um, that would reduce you know, the wait list in Utah for home and community-based services, but also similarly in other states across the nation that have wait lists just like this. Um, and it would also uh, put a lot of money in increasing wages for direct care workers. Um, so this would be a really, really important piece of legislation um, to follow and advocate for 
And then another uh, program that people might be familiar with is the Money Follows the Person program, um, which provides additional federal Medicaid funding so that people who want to transition from institutional living um, or nursing home, long-term care facility kind of settings into community-based settings, um, that they get to take that funding with them to make those uh, changes in their uh, living situations. But this is a temporary program and right now has only been reauthorized to, um, to be in the works for the next three years. And then the funding is allowed to expire. So it's really vital that um, this is a permanent program. Then states have more uh, stability in how they work with their funding and make sure that these services are available to people. So again, advocates can really raise their voice and explain why this uh, being a permanent program is really, really important to um, people with disabilities to remain in home and community-based settings. So those are just a couple of other things that are happening right now that I thought that advocates might want to be um, aware of. Awesome. Anyone else want to add anything else to our question before we move on to the next one? Alrighty. So our final question is, is there anything, sorry, is there anything else that you want to talk about that you learned from the Disability Policy Seminar? Again, I want to um, put Aurora on the spot just a bit and ask to share that um, there was a really positive exchange in Representative Chris Stewart's office uh, that kind of helped to overcome some misperceptions that the uh, representative had about crisis response and the training that uh, mental health professionals receive and their comfort level in engaging in these kinds of situations and how crisis response reform might look um, based on some of these misconceptions. So if you if you don't mind just talking a little bit about that, Aurora, I think people would be really interested in that particular victory. Yes, I would love to share as this is something that I am incredibly passionate about um, is just being sure that um, we have appropriate crisis response and that the misperceptions um, and biases that people might have about different types of situations like, like people with um, disabilities and mental illness being dangerous or um, being like misunderstood in these types of situations, being sure that those types of misperceptions are corrected. So um, in the representative's office, we um, had the chance to speak directly to him, which was an incredible experience and um, got to talk more with him about these um, bills that we're passionate about. And he, um, I told him that I was a therapist, mental health provider, was hoping to become a psychologist in the next couple of years and um, had worked in a few um, crisis situations in the past where um, I'd been able to successfully de-escalate those using um, therapeutic skills, um, crisis de-escalation techniques rather than force or um, other types of techniques that might be used in um, situations where law enforcement is responding because they might misunderstand the situation or be afraid for their safety. And um, the representative asked me, um, well, wouldn't you rather have like a weapon in those kinds of situations? Wouldn't you be like afraid, and I shared that in these situations, I would prefer to not have a weapon um, because they can um, be used the wrong way when people are afraid or um, unsure how to respond. 
and that I was comfortable going into these situations as I've received appropriate training and had some experience. And it, I think, helped him reframe his perception that um, mental health providers um, do not want to go into these types of situations or don't have the skills. Um, and that there are individuals who would like to serve in this kind of capacity of responding to these different situations. And I can't remember if I had shared with him or um, with Representative Stewart or someone, um, a different representative, but um, there's a common misperception that people with mental illness or disabilities are dangerous when in fact they are much more likely to um, experience or be victims of crime. And um, when people receive education and training, they're able to respond more appropriately in crisis situations. So having those people with the skills to de-escalate these situations in a calm and supportive manner, rather than responding with force, helps to keep everyone safe. Um, so after sharing that with Representative Stewart, he seemed to be a bit more on board and it had um, clarified some of these perceptions that um, psychologists, therapists cannot respond to these types of situations and don't want to, that there are people such as myself who would be perfectly happy and enthused to be sure that um, crisis, um, crisis situations are responded to in an appropriate manner. And yeah, that we should direct some funding and training to route calls to the appropriate response teams and resource professionals. Sounds like you guys have been busy up on Capitol Hill a lot though. It sounds, this is really exciting for you guys. Um, Olivia and Libby, do you have anything else to add about, anything else you wanna talk about that you learned from the Disability Policy Seminar? I just wanna continue to boost up Aurora. Uh, that was a really beautiful interaction that we had and you could tell that there was just a miscommunication of information uh, from the representative's office. Uh, he had never heard um, the perspective that Aurora was bringing into the room. And you could really tell that his perceptions were changing. And um, I, I think he walked away from that conversation with a lot to think about in regards to uh, mental illness and the disability community at large. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what comes of that and uh, following these two bills um, to see if that, if we made an impact, which I think we did. So thanks, Aurora. Thank you. And I, I guess I will add that the most important lesson that I got from this was, I was a bit um, non, I don't know what the right word is, but I wasn't convinced that our meetings would be impactful or that we would be sharing any new information with the, with the different congressmen and um, their staff that we are meeting with. And um, especially having um, some different political um, focuses myself from the congressmen, um, I thought that we might not see eye to eye and that it might not be the most productive, not productive, but that there might not be any change that happens. But I think bringing in a new perspective, like Olivia mentioned, and providing um, some of my um, experience really did help them see a viewpoint that they hadn't before. And um, I think 
that is some of the most important work that we can do as um, being our own self-advocates or um, helping individuals with disabilities advocate for themselves, empowering them to build those skills, um, is sharing stories, sharing information, and helping to change people's minds and perspectives. So a lot of times, if they have these misperceptions, it's just they haven't met the right person yet or received the information that they need to. And that viewpoint can change and lead to some really um, impactful movement on some of these issues. So overall, just like the most incredible experience. And I wasn't expecting anything like that to happen. Well, you guys are changing the world out there, though. This is exciting. I'm really excited to see how these bills do. Libby, did you have anything else to add or are you good? Um, just to reinforce um, what Aurora just mentioned, uh, kind of the, the running theme of the policy seminar is, you know, encouraging people to share your story, share your story, make sure you get your lived experience out there, um, whatever it be, personal, professional, family member, um, whatever that is. And um, I think that um, oftentimes people really don't recognize the impact that that has. And Aurora's story really just, um, reinforces that that is so true right if, if somebody hasn't gotten that um that point of view or um anyway just hearing somebody else's perspective can really change your own view of things um so i just continue to encourage advocates to get out there and and share um your lived experience and your perspective about different issues because it really does make a difference and another thing that people we're talking about at the conference that was a, a or seminar, I should say, was kind of like what what's next on the advocacy front, right? Beyond sharing your story, what do we do next? What are other ways to really elevate these conversations and um, to get um, the advocacy movement for disability rights and and different things just to the next level? Um, and I don't have an answer to that question, but it really was something to take home and reflect upon. Um, other than um, where we know sharing your story is super effective and we want people to can continue to do that, but, but what can we do next, right? For people that have done that and wanna take next steps, thinking about how we can continue to elevate the advocacy uh, work that everybody is, is doing. So that's just a takeaway of, of things to think about for the future. Um, but it overall was a really positive experience and I think we all gained a lot from it and really that, exchange of um, information, bringing new perspectives. And, and I think we really did have an impact on some of the policy decisions that are gonna be made around criminal justice reform, uh, impacting people with disabilities. So hooray, Team Utah, it was it was a good visit. I'm glad you guys had a successful time in Washington, DC. I really appreciate it. Well, that is all the time we have for today on our show. I just wanted to say thank you to Olivia, Libby, and Aurora for being on our show today. We really appreciate it. And just a reminder, a quick announcement to make, the Utah Developmental Displaced Council is now accepting applications for their self-advocacy conference. If you are interested in being a part of this amazing conference, head to our website at utahddcouncil.org. And then there'll be, when you enter our website, you'll see on the sidebar, upcoming events, you click on that link and it will pop up it says our self-advocacy registration and the conference will be held june 2nd and the third the second will be on google meet while the third will be in person at murray park so thanks so much for listening everybody and have a great day mm -hmm.